This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Claire, thanks so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Rachel. Always good to have you with us, Claire. So let's start off. The chief of Beijing's liaison office said this week that Hong Kong needs to understand China's new vision and also make advancements or be obsolete. How did he suggest Hong Kong better integrate with the mainland and uh, seize opportunities that it offers? Well, Rachel, Mr. Luo Huining made the speech at the National 14th Five-Year Plan Seminar earlier this week to key stakeholders mm-hmm. in Hong Kong. So it includes top Chinese officials in charge of Hong Kong affairs. You know, we have um, Chief Executive Carrie Lam amongst the audience and uh, business leaders, uh, things like that. So it's arguable, one can take it as a uh, unity call of thought, that he was sending the clearest indication to people in Hong Kong that Hong Kong needs to start moving again and get on board national plans now that the unrest, uh, 2019 unrest is over, order is being restored in the city. Now, he pointed out that if Hong Kong does not progress, it will just be left behind, right? So the deputy director of the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Huang Li Liuquan, uh, reassured the business sector that Beijing will not change the one country, two systems policy. And the legal rights of investors in the city will continue to be protected, that mm. Hong Kong will continue to play an irreplaceable role in China's open-door policy. So he also called on young people here to develop their careers in the greater Bay area, saying that more than a thousand young people from Hong Kong and Macau started their businesses on the mainland. So in other news, Claire, former Hong Kong privacy chief Stephen Wong Kai says that China's new data privacy law will create fresh challenges for Hong Kong businesses. How will the law create uh, complications for the Hong Kong business community and how will they handle personal data? Okay, so the background to China's new data privacy law mm-hmm. is that China's legislature last Friday passed the Personal Information Protection Law. It's one of the strictest in the world for personal data security. It imposes significant legal restrictions on how personal data can be collected, used, managed, and all this will come into effect in November. Okay, so Mr. Wong says the new law brings challenges because businesses here will now have to impose new restrictions on data flows between the mainland and Hong Kong. And the most affected businesses will be retail and e-commerce because they collect huge amounts of Mm. consumer data, right? And the new law will force companies that do business in China to comply with these laws, even though they may be based elsewhere, outside of the mainland. So the law's regulations on the transfer of data, which includes financial accounts, can also introduce new compliance issues hurdles for financial institutions. Now, speaking of laws, Claire, in other moves from Hong Kong, uh, we saw an announcement earlier this week that it will scrutinize past films for national security breaches under a tough new censorship law. How are creative communities coming to grips with the new censorship landscape there? Not very well. Mm. And I'll tell you why. The law gives authorities the power to revoke approval already granted to movies. And this would be on the basis, on the premise of national security purposes that proposed under the proposed legislation on film censorship. So film censors were ordered in June to ban movies that were 
deemed to be supporting a glorifying act that could endanger national security. Authorities said the proposed film censorship amendment bill would set out the requirement that explicitly states clear statutory backing for this. So some of the people are saying that, you know, the proposed changes will have far-reaching impact on the film industry and the plan seems to be wider than what was initially mentioned. And the filmmakers cannot appeal against the decision, you see. So they can only take the matter to court. If, if Basically, if it's revoked, they can only um, bring the issue to court. So as it is, we've seen, you know, the hollowing out of Hong Kong. And we have had the city's people in creative industries, the artists, choose to leave. The common reason among them is that they want absolute freedoms, you know, and creativity freedoms. And uh, they say that the imposition of the national security law and these film censorship rules, basically, will make it unacceptable for them to be more creative and touch on topics that they want to touch on. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Okay, we're speaking with Claire Huang, Hong Kong correspondent for The Straits Times. Now, Claire, Hong Kong's Commerce Secretary has defended the government's abrupt U-turn to re reimpose some of the world's strictest quarantine policies, uh, saying COVID must be kept at bay before borders are fully reopened. What's been the reaction to this? Meltdown, Rachel. <laughs> More description. My goodness. <laughs> So, okay. Yes. So the Commerce Secretary Edward Yell defended the backpedaling and so did Chief Executive Kerry Lam. And uh, Mrs. Lam actually apologized, uh, had to make an apology for the inconvenience cost. So, what inconvenience was there? On August 9th, the new border control rules kicked in. Basically, vaccinated visitors from medium risk places like Singapore could shorten the quarantine to seven days mm-hmm. if you take anti and antibody tests. But then officials removed this antibody test criteria a week later. And the, the quarantine period for vaccinated travellers was doubled to 14 days. So this change started last Friday. And at around the same time, officials also reclassified 15 countries, like the United States and Malaysia, as high-risk areas from medium risk. They bumped up Australia from medium risk to low risk. So they were doing a review, right? And based on the, the cases in, in uh, the different countries. Now, different risk categories mean longer quarantine periods. So this means that those who are already booked mm. during this period, right, were, were less scrambling to extend their stays in the designated hotels for their quarantine. And there is a shortage. So amid this chaos, Hollywood actress Nicole Kidman was yes. spotted so-called shopping in Central. Local media reports that she flew in on a private jet, skipped quarantine because she was exempted by the government, and then she went straight to her $650,000 a month mansion at the peak. Imagine that. So Mr. Yang had to explain that Kidman was likely having costume fitting and that was within exemption rules because it's for work, right, for filming. I see, I see. Quite a stir there, Nicole Kidman. And this is, a, this is a film she's making about expats in Hong Kong as well. Yes, yes, that's right. So people were having social media, you know, the support group for quarantine, people who had to do quarantine as a Facebook mm. uh, group, went... Berserk, I would say, you know, there was a meltdown on the, on the forum. So, and people were, were hilarious and furious at the same time. 
My goodness. Well, meanwhile, um, all of this, Claire, the latest issue of Hong Kong's Polytechnic University Student Union magazine has been pulled after administrators took issue with content touching on a now illegal protest slogan and shrinking freedoms under the national security law. What's the latest with this? And are more unions under threat, especially after the biggest teachers union disbanded? Well, Rachel, the students running the magazine could also face disciplinary action and the union's press committee says PolyU management had asked it to not only take away all the hard copies of the publication, but to remove the online version as well. Uh, It was a request with which it ultimately complied because it does fall under the the laws, right? So this uh, comes in the aftermath of various public arguments between the the different universities and their student unions. This is also part of, well, arguably rejuvenation of Hong Kong. I can't tell you which uh, exactly which organization is next, but you mentioned the Professional Teachers Union. Mm-hmm. So it is now trying and scrambling to disband. They had announced that they would disband earlier this month, but it needs to, for it to do so, it must get approval from two thirds of members. So right now it's trying to get that majority. As for a rule of thumb, I guess, I can't tell you what organization is next, but those with ties to the opposition or pro-democracy camp could be uh, in sight. At least we know law society is safe for now because after the recent poll, right, the uh, pro-Beijing camp now holds 14 out of 20 seats in the governing council. But then trouble continues to brew for other bodies, other organizations, for example, the organizer of the annual vigil on June 4th to mark the uh, Tiananmen crackdown. National Security Police have accused the Hong Kong Alliance in support of patriotic dem- democratic movements of China, that's the full name of the organization, of being an agent of foreign and Taiwanese political organizations. And uh, police have demanded its leaders provide information for investigation. So I don't think it is the end of, mm. um, you know, the wolves for these organizations. Okay, well, Claire, thank you for all of those updates. We look forward to catching up with you in the next Inside Hong Kong with Claire Huang, the Straits Times correspondent in the Territory. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.